know, the thing that is hard to explain to people that are not either all the way in or people who are not in at all is that things do not have to swing my way for me to be happy. That life is going to life, right? People I love are going to die. There'll be a health diagnosis. There'll be an, a financial thing. There'll be a flood. There'll be a whatever. Life is going to life. And do I have a set of, of skills, spiritual tools that allow me to rise above whatever's happening in my life and to choose happiness and joy? Wow. That it's incredible. I'm sold. You got me. <laughs> I'm convinced. I, I heard, heard it through, through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collective voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Sam, what's shaking with you? I don't know, Don. Listening to all these voicemails that we get and reading all these emails, there's a lot of people wanting to know stuff. Uh it's exciting. We really have been getting a lot of mail. We love it. And we got some ask it basket questions. So today we want to dip into that basket at the very beginning of the show, since we got some really good questions to discuss. And later we'll have a question about the history of the responsibility statement. And we'll also include at the end of the show, a blast from the past to wrap things up. You mean blast from the past. Exactly. But since these first questions are so interesting, let's go ahead and get today's guest in on the discussion. Oh, that's a good idea. Today's guest is Alice S. from Durham, North Carolina. Alice, please introduce yourself. Hi, family. My name is Alice, and I'm a grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I got to Alcoholics Anonymous May 21st, 1987. Although I'm born and raised in New York, I got sober in Oakland, California, and now I, I live in Durham, North Carolina. So what a joy to be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a joy to have you here, Alice. Absolutely. So, Alice, are you ready for an Ask It Basket question? I am so ready. Let's, <laughs> let's stump the speaker. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> All right. Well, Lou T. emailed us. I have a habit, much to some people's animosity, of bringing uncommon and controversial topics to the meeting. There are two that I don't bring up because of the problems it brings, but maybe they can be topics or ask the old timer or ask it basket. Thanks for your hard work. Thank you, Lou. So Don, Alice, the first thing that Lou brought up is recovered versus recovering. Ah, uh, that's a good one. And that is controversial. And I don't really understand why. The book of Alcoholics Anonymous, before you even crack the cover, it says recovered. And the word recovering only appears twice in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous, once into wives and once into the family afterwards. And they're in both instances talking about someone who's new and is going through the steps not someone that has gone through the steps. And the, the promise of Alcoholics Anonymous, right, which is a spiritual journey, is that if you go through all 12 steps, you will be recovered. You will have a spiritual awakening. And I believe that I am recovered. Recovered from what, right? Recovered from this hopeless state of mind and body. I am no longer physically craving alcohol. 
I am no longer mentally obsessed with alcohol. Now, let me just say, I'm struck sober, not sane. And so I certainly will fixate on other things, right? I, I will. <laughs> but I'm no longer suffering, right? Like I was when I got here, like just white knuckling it. Oh my God, can I just not drink today? I am recovered from that. And I'm now in the process of having a deeper consciousness with the power, whatever you call the power. And that third part of my first step problem, right? The three parts are my body, my mind, and my spirit. And, and that third part is the part that I am always, always, always deepening. But I'm recovered. I'm not recovering. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love that you were able off the top of your head to bring out other references of recovering in the literature and in the big book. And I think that recovering came in through the treatment centers in the past couple of decades. That language came in and it expresses something that's very valuable. Uh, alcoholism is a disease and I have it and I need to apply the medicine, which is to continue to participate in AA and work the steps on a continuing basis. So, on that level, it's good to keep in mind that I'm not recovered and I'm done and I've gotten a, you know, a good grade and now I can leave Alcoholics Anonymous and I don't have to deal with all this stuff again. So it's useful to bear in mind that I need to continue, but also it's kind of a linguistic problem. That's what it comes down to. It's just words. Yeah, And I mean, with people who are new, the way that I, I make the distinction which I hope is helpful, is that I'm never cured. Like I'm the man that's lost his legs. I'm never going to grow new ones, right? That's I, the I'm point. never cured, yeah. but I am recovered and I remain recovered as long as I continue to use the principles and the steps to grow spiritually. That's it. You know, I'd love to chime in on this, but you two got it covered. <laughs> okay, Sam, <laughs> I'm going to give you first shot at this one. Lou gave us a second topic, anonymity, AA anonymity versus personal anonymity, also known as personal privacy. Well, so yeah, so our AA anonymity is for the protection of AA in so very many ways. It's also the uh, protection of me in that um, my ego could run away with things. I mean, if I were to become Mr. AA, what would that do to me? But one of the other things that shows up, and this is the personal anonymity side of it, the personal privacy, is, you know, I was instructed when I first came into these rooms, we share in a general way in the meetings. For me to go up to the podium or whatever, and give my fifth step would not be a bright move because I am not guaranteed personal privacy within a meeting. People talk. It's the nature of humans. People sitting in that room may still fall prey to that horrible thing called gossip. I know that I still do from time to time, not as much as I used to, but that's where that difference between anonymity at the personal level and AA's anonymity, that anonymity at the public level is incredibly important. What a great answer. I really appreciate that. You know, this notion of what does it mean, the tradition of anonymity, right, which is our 12th tradition, can get gobbled in Alcoholics Anonymous. and 
And I think garbled. I think you mean garbled mm. or gobbled. <laughs> gobbled. Uh oh. Garbled. Okay. Let's discuss the difference between gobbled and garbled. <laughs> it's a very controversial. It's a topic. very controversial thing, right? <laughs> Eaten up or mangled, right? So the this notion of of anonymity, right? The twelfth tradition, Alcoholics Anonymous, can get mangled. It can get confused inside the rooms and. The way that I've been um, led to understand it and the way that I've seen it practiced is that inside Alcoholics Anonymous, I need to be known by the other members of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm not anonymous to my fellows. I want them to know me. I need a sense of belonging. I need to be known and seen and embraced. And so people that are in my network know my last name. I want them to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Dr. Bob, one of the co-founders, is is known to have said that you want the members of your group to know your last name and know who your people are in the event that we need to get in touch with them. So I don't try to be anonymous within my AA network. But at the level of press, radio, and film, I want to be anonymous. And why do I want to do that? Well, initially, my understanding is because we were afraid that we would be overwhelmed. The book came out in April 1939, and there wasn't the fellowship as we know it now, right? There weren't millions of us. And so the initial fear was, I think, twofold. One is, hey, I'm going to get overwhelmed. All these people are going to call. They're going to track me down. It's going to sort of derail my ability to rebuild my life. But I think the secondary reason, the reason that I think is still important today is that I don't want any one of us to be the face of Alcoholics Anonymous because it's easy for one person to fall off the spiritual path and relapse and drink again. And for people to be like, oh, look at them, they drank. Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't work. Where millions of us are are not only not drinking, but living in a level of joy and usefulness that is beyond our wildest dreams, right? Certainly beyond mine. So the second reason to be anonymous at a press radio film level, right? Which is why I'm Alice S here, is because no one of us should represent Alcoholics Anonymous. We should collectively do that. That's beautiful. One other thought that comes to mind is the value of anonymity, though on a personal level, is that it is a personal choice whether to share my last name inside of AA or not. And everyone can make that choice. There's no obligation. But when I became sober long enough that I had, I guess, recovered, we could say, from (laughs) the shame of being an alcoholic and the bad behavior of my past, frankly, is what it was. And I recovered from that by working the steps. Then it became very easy for me to share who I am within AA so that other people can find me. Yeah. And that's what Dr. Bob was talking about. Yeah. You know, Don, I really appreciate that because, you know, I've been here 36 years and I mean, that's more than half my life. I've been sober now longer than I was alive when I got sober by a decade. And so it's easy for me to sort of drift away from the pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization that I had when I got here. Mm. where I thought that coming to AA was the worst thing that could have ever happened to me, right? Mm. And so for people who are either new to Alcoholics Anonymous or are not in AA at all, some of the ways that I talk about my sobriety and about my life or about 
Alcoholics Anonymous, I forget that it sounds unbelievable because I'm no longer really fully living on the material human plane. I've been given these spiritual principles that allow me to live in a more spiritual way. And so some of the things that that I believe that I know are true sound preposterous, right? They, They sound crazy. Like, I can be happy no matter what. What? (laughs) Alcoholics Anonymous is not a not drinking program, right? This is a live right program, right? Drinking was a symptom. That sounds crazy if you're struggling to not drink. But the beauty of being here is that the, the thing that you get is richer and richer and richer as time goes on. And so my worry about people knowing falls away because the gift that I get is so extraordinary. My anonymity at a public level is paramount for me in my recovery, but that doesn't mean that I am not known to be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous in my community. I disclose it judiciously, but I am known by people who are not alcoholics as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and available as a resource for them or people who they know that might need some assistance. That's right. It's the hand of AA always being there. That's in the responsibility statement. And we're going to get to the responsibility (laughs) statement at the end of the show. But I tell you what, Sam, I've met Alice before in other meetings. Don't you want to get to know more about her story? (laughs) Every single detail, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, let's get every single detail. (laughs) Let's take a break and get to know Alice. Hey, Don, what are you playing with on your phone? We're supposed to be recording a podcast here. Sorry, Sam. I was just checking my spiritual fitness in the new Grapevine app. Oh, the daily spiritual maintenance checklist? Well, are you fit? Yep, says so here. And look, there's a daily quote and a sobriety calculator. And you can read the latest issue and all of the past issues all the way back to 1944. And you can have the app read the magazine to you out loud as a playlist. It's the monthly magazine in print and audio. Right in your pocket. The Grapevine and Lavinia apps are now available for both iOS and Android phones. To get yours, go to the App Store on your phone. Alice, we're back. I'm glad to be back. When did you get sober again? My last drink was uh, May 20th, 1987. I've been sober since May 21st, 1987. 1987. What was going on with you the day when you walked into Alcoholics Anonymous? You know, my life was a train wreck. Already at, at 26, it was uh, I was burning my life to the ground. You know, I, I describe it to people as, my soul was on fire. I was unemployed. I was unemployable. My housing situation was shaky at best. And when I got here at 26, that sounds young, but I took my first drink at four. Mm. Wow. And at eight years old, I decided, well, scotch is a good idea. You know, I, I grew up in a house where there was a lot of drinking. And so scotch was available. And at eight, I decided, well, let's try that. And so if you, if you do that, then, 26 you you've you've had a good drinking career already oh yeah i've had i had a a whole drinking career wow so scotch this is one of those drinks that's not a sweet tasty little thing that feels good going down that burns (laughs) at eight years old you were down for hard liquor you sound like you might have been an alcoholic from the start right right out the gate i don't know 
I never remember it being nasty. That's the truth. If you're around Alcoholics Anonymous, and if you're just interested in Alcoholics Anonymous, but you don't identify as an alcoholic and you don't have a desire to stop drinking, go to open meetings and, and listen to speakers. Like It's just fascinating to hear people talk about it. And a lot of people will say that it was nasty and that it was terrible and they, they got sick and blah, 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 blah. And that's just not my story. It was love at first sip. Like mm-hmm. I love the smell. I love the taste. I loved alcohol from the very beginning. And that made it harder, I think, to get sober. Well, why did you want to quit? It stopped working. I mean, that's the truth. You know, I believe that Alcoholics Anonymous is very similar to the bar. And you can go into the bar and you can order a light beer. Or you can go in the bar and you can get a 151 proof hard drink. And I think recovery is the same way. You know, I could be sort of a member of Alcoholics Anonymous to sort of just attending meetings, but I'm not. Like I made a decision that I wanted everything that Alcoholics Anonymous had to offer. And I'm a hardcore Alcoholics Anonymous member in the same way that I was a hardcore drinker. And, and some of us that, that identify that way, think of ourselves is in a club inside the club, right? Like come all the way into Alcoholics Anonymous, sit all the way down, like I'm that person. And so I stopped drinking because it stopped working and I needed to have something as hardcore as Scotch was at eight or Long Island iced teas were at 15 to replace the thing that I had become dependent on. You know, I remember my first sponsor and her spouse, who was also in AA, telling me, are you willing to go to the lengths to get and stay sober that you were to get drunk? Yep. That It took me a moment to really consider that. And I was. So you know, wait I'm, a minute, Alice, let me ask. So you come in, you want the whole thing. You're like Sam's describing, but so it was like, okay, I'll do anything you say and jump right in. Or was there some, any obstacles to it? I absolutely didn't come here and want the whole thing. Are you kidding? I didn't come to stop drinking and I didn't come to stay. I mean, I was 26 years old. I just came to get some of the consequences off of me. I thought, you know, I'll just like learn how to drink like a lady and I'll get a new hairdo and a new job and a new relationship and a new outfit and it'll all be better. And it was only when trying it all the other ways didn't work that I got surrendered. I didn't surrender. I got surrendered in Alcoholics Anonymous. What do you mean trying it all the other ways? Okay, I'm going to give up scotch. I'm going to just drink Beaujolais. I'm going to not drink during the week. I'm going to just drink on the weekend. I'm going to get a new set of friends. I'm going to move to a new location. Because I really thought that the problems that I had were external. I didn't understand that the problem that I had was inside. You know, I don't I don't want to go too far off, but I think it's important to point out that the logo of Alcoholics Anonymous really tells you everything that you need to know about Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, describe that logo. Right. If you understand how to how to see it, how to read it, how to understand it. The logo of Alcoholics Anonymous is a circle. And inside the circle, there's a triangle that has three evenly sided legs. That triangle is an equilateral. It's the strongest structure known to man. 
And I think of that circle as my universe. It's everything. You know, I got to Alcoholics Anonymous and I wanted, you know, once I understood I needed to surrender to a power greater than me, right? Like whatever that meant when I got here, right? I've got a clear understanding now. But I didn't when I got I was 26. I wanted the party to keep going. And I thought, well, I'll surrender my drinking, but not my sex life, not my finances, not not my love life. I'm not surrendering that. Like, let's don't go too far. <laughs> but I, I, I came to understand that everything inside the circle, my whole universe had to be in Alcoholics Anonymous and that the three sides of the triangle represented my body, my mind and my spirit. And that Alcoholics Anonymous gave me spiritual principles for each side of that triangle, right? So the the body side of it, right? I bring my body to the fellowship. Those are the, the traditions. That's how I'm able to stay a part of a larger collective. Because guess what? I don't get along well with people outside the tradition. <laughs> I don't. And I challenge people, hey, you want to know how recovered you are? Go to the business meeting. Yeah, and have <laughs> serenity and calamity. All at the same time, right? Um, and then the, the other side, right? The, the the my mind, right? That's my recovery. That's what where I work the twelve steps. But then there's this other side of the triangle, which is my spirit, right? It's the service side, and that is for my spiritual growth. And there are the twelve concepts for that. And so I've got to grow in my recovery, so that I'm working all three sides of the triangle. When I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was not doing that. I didn't even know to do that. I got recovered in a place that was more 12 and 12 than the big book. It took a while for me to really understand that the basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous is the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And the fellowship is named after the book. The book isn't named after the fellowship. Mm -hmm. And so I gradually had awakenings and I needed more and more. I came further and further into Alcoholics Anonymous because, frankly, taking away the drink without a real spiritual solution was hell. Things got worse for me before they got better. I was more uncomfortable. I was I was less reliable. I was more irritable. And so I only did it because I had to. I didn't do it because I wanted to. Alice, you mentioned that uh, you wanted the party to keep going. Yeah. So 36 years later, how's the party? Man, I just want to tell you, oh my God, there are not even good words to describe how incredible my life is, how full of joy and happiness and belonging and usefulness. It's just extraordinary. Sam, we just got to be at one of, I think, the best Alcoholics Anonymous events that happens every year, the International Conference of Young People in AA, and we mm-hmm. call it Ikipa. Every year that conference is in another city and the cities compete to host it. They put together these big binders that are super impressive. They do these skits, which are hilarious. They have this thing called hype. And before every speaker, there's a full-blown dance party. Mm-hmm. So much fun in fellowship and It's a sense of belonging. The book of Alcoholics Anonymous talks about it. Like newcomers are the bright spot of our life. That you will, this is an experience that you do not want to miss, which was the theme, right? Loneliness vanishes this year. And so I would never have had that. I don't think there are many people 
outside of something like Alcoholics Anonymous that have this access to joy and freedom that we have. Way more fun than drinking, way more fun than being hungover, (laughs) way more fun than where's my other shoe or like, where's my car, right? Waking up someplace, you're like, where am I at? Like, this is a blast. To wake up and feel happy and feel good to be able to enjoy the sunlight and to not have waves of nausea. (laughs) I wish this for everyone. I wish this for everyone. (laughs) Alice, thanks for joining us today. Indeed. Thank you so much, Alice. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. It's time for the Ask It Basket. What's that? That's the name Bill W. gave the basket that was passed around for questions. We want your questions for our guests. General recovery questions, newcomer questions, AA history. Got a question for the Ask It Basket? Go to aagreatfun.org and click on podcast. And now let's dip into the basket. We received this Ask It Basket question from Spencer. Hello, provocative podcast people. This is Spencer. I'm an alcoholic in Burnaby, BC, Canada. And lately, I've been thinking about the AA responsibility statement. I am responsible when anyone, anywhere, reaches out for help. I want the hand of AA always to be there. And for that, I am responsible. I'm kind of wondering what we know about its history. Who wrote it? Or maybe if we have some related audio from the 1965 International Convention in Toronto when it was adopted, that would be awesome to hear. Thanks, Spencer. Spencer loves AA history. He's been on before. This is his second history question. I love it. This one required a bit of research, and we hit the mother load. We turned to the AA archives at AA World Services to answer the question. The archives are located in New York City in the General Service Office. If you're in the area, it's well worth your time to visit in person. Visit aa.org and search GSO Archives to schedule your visit. And there's an AA meeting there every Friday. At 11 a.m. There's also a guided tour offered after the meeting at 12.15. It's fun to visit. Well, the archives provided us with a lot of information about the responsibility statement. Here is an excerpt. History of the Responsibility Statement. The Responsibility Statement, or the I Am Responsible Declaration, was introduced at the 1965 International Convention in Toronto. It was recited during the responsibility ceremony that took place on Saturday, July 3rd. The theme of the conference was I Am Responsible. Okay, that makes sense. A summation of the whole conference, I am responsible. This is an excerpt from an August 1964 letter from Herb M., former general manager of the GSO, to Ralph B., press and publicity coordinator for the convention. It provides some information about its origins. We probably should begin to crystallize our thinking on keynote and or slogan material for the international convention. Al S. worked on this some time back, and I'm enclosing his keynote declaration, a resolution for all AAs, particularly conventioneers. He wrote, I am responsible when anyone anywhere reaches out to me. I want the hand of AA always to be there as it was for me. And for that, I am responsible. Close quote. Additional information with regard to the authorship is found in the former General Service Board Policy Committee Report of October 1965. 
A motion was made and seconded and voted unanimously that a letter of thanks be sent to Al S. for his contribution of the I Am Responsible Declaration used at the 1965 convention and now being used throughout AA. And here is an excerpted transcription from the 1965 International Convention Responsibility Ceremony. Herb said, So that we can all take part in an expression of our gratitude for the AA help we have received, we have arranged a simple ceremony. Taking part in it are AAs from all parts of the United States and Canada, from all over the world. Many are delegates from the general service areas. Others are past delegates and trustees. Still others have come thousands of miles to represent fellow alcoholics in foreign lands from as far away as Australia and South America, from Korea and Iceland, South and Central America. We have asked them to appear on this stage tonight and to recite with us the I Am Responsible Pledge that you'll find on the back of your program. This states simply what we all feel. It reminds us of our commitment to ensure our own sobriety by helping another alcoholic to achieve his and to lead us. Who but our beloved Bill and Lois? As Bill began to read the text of the statement, all of the people on stage joined hands and recited it with him. The pledge was then recited in French, Spanish, German, Finnish, Portuguese, Icelandic, Korean, and Norwegian. The delegates, past delegates, etc., represented 21 countries. After it was repeated in different languages, the audience was asked to rise, join hands, and repeat the statement. So the question here, Sam, is did the conference then make it a conference to prove slogan? The 1966 final conference report does not list any action on the responsibility pledge other than an ask it basket question. The question, would it be possible for the responsibility pledge to be built into the grapevine format? Answer, delegates gave unanimous approval by a show of hands. And Don, the responsibility declaration is printed on the first page of the magazine every month. Spencer, thanks so much for that question. That must have been a moving moment described there with all those delegates gathered reciting the statement for the first time. Indeed. Well... We have a recording of that historic moment. AA Archive shared it with us. It's Bill W. leading the whole 1965 conference in the responsibility statement. Let's listen. In this rededication, I ask a hundred AAs on this platform, many of them from the far reaches, to speak for all of our fellowship and to repeat with Lois and me, I am responsible when anyone anywhere reaches out for help. I want the hand of AA always to be there. And for that, I am responsible. 
You can give a gift subscription of Grapevine or Lavinia. Grapevine has a long waiting list of incarcerated members who want one. Get your group, district, area, or AA friends to join in. It's easy. Go to aagrapevine.org and look for Carry the Message at the top of the site. I'm at the very wit's end. Cuckoo. An historic ham on rye from January 1987. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere. Hey, here's some more names of cities and towns that, according to a 1962 grapevine, are off limits to AAs. Tiplersville, Mississippi, Plaster City, California, Bendersville, Pennsylvania, Binge, Kentucky, Whiskeytown, California, Bar Harbor, Maine, Brandy Camp, Pennsylvania, Scotch Grove, Louisiana, Brandywine, Maryland, Alco, Arkansas, Rye, New York, Bourbon, Louisiana, Mix, Louisiana, Julep, Kentucky, High, Iowa, and Winesburg, Ohio. Approved were... T, South Dakota, Coffeeville, Kansas, Waters, Michigan, and Cocoa, Florida. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc., We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.